Hi, this is Nick Dawson from Talk Has Film. You're listening to the Talk Has Film podcast. Each podcast we do at the Talk Has is about bringing together two interesting people, and it's always a lot of fun trying to figure out the right pairing. For this latest episode, I'm indebted to Talk House's editor-in-chief, Michael Azarad, for conceiving this podcast idea and making it a reality. Celebrated stars of stage and screen, Kim Cattrall and Isabel Huppert, first met on the set of Otto Preminger's 1975 suspense drama Rosebud, starring Peter O'Toole, Richard Attenborough, and Peter Lawford. Cattrall was all of 17 years old. Huppert was 21. The film was a critical and commercial flop, but it was a formative experience for the two actors, and they've remained friends ever since. For this TalkHouse podcast, we got the two together at Cattrall's home in Manhattan, and they reminisced about Rosebud and Preminger, discussed achieving longevity in their careers, Sex and the City, Cattrall's new TV series Sensitive Skin, the joys of producing, and more. They also had quite a lot of fun with a gag shop voice disguiser, so make sure to listen out for that at the end. You keep coming in and out of my life, and and the same with yes, versa. because once you have gone through <laughs> Rosebud with Otto Preminger <laughs> once in your life, it 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 bonds you, yeah. it you know it ties you yeah. forever in a way. That was my first job. Was it? How are you going to involve him in in Rosebud? In Rosebud. <laughs> See, I'm reading your mind. <laughs> Um, and my lashes. Yes, I I was just graduating from theater school in, in New York. In New York, and what what school was this? I went to. I had gone as a very young girl to Lambda, and this was sort of the second experience I had with sort of teachers and and, and the structure of the school um, uh, at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, and uh, we didn't have any film classes. We just had theater classes. Um, we did one day of videotape. We videotaped each other, and I thought I looked so hideous, and I was really, I had really ch- chubby, chubby cheeks. And uh, someone said that uh, I had a little tiny gap in my teeth that I would have to do something about that, else I would never be able to do a Crest commercial. Which it's is funny, I'll tell you after, after, after what is yeah, I have the same story about my cheeks. I'll tell you, you after. Do. Go ahead. So um, my agent said, maybe you should go on a diet. I mean, I was 17 years old. Because when I came to New York at 16, I didn't know anybody. I didn't mm. know what was going mm. on. I didn't have any. I just I'd taken a, a student loan. I got a scholarship. Mm. I mean, it was eating at McDonald's. I mean, it was mm. like any mm. student experience. Mm-hmm. And then um, she said, well, there's this film that Otto Preminger is doing. And I didn't know who Otto Preminger was. I mean, this was before, like, the movie network. Sure. And, and all Neither that. did I. I yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. I mean, uh, exactly. And then people would say to me, Rosebud, oh, is this about Citizen Kane? And I didn't even really know. I'd never seen that movie either. Mm. I mean, I, I knew I knew playwrights and I knew plays, mostly classical, but I didn't really know m- much about film. So um, I went in and auditioned for the casting person, and she said, Otto Preminger is going to be here next week, so you'll come and read for him. And I read for him, and he he looked at me and he said, "Do you want to do this?" And I said, <laughs> "Yes." I I didn't know whether I wanted to do it or yeah. not. It was such a strange oh. experience. Um, I said, "Okay," and uh, so I, that's how it happened. And then two months later, I was in by myself at seventeen on a, a movie set. Yeah. And I was I I thought 
I would really like someone to be here with me, but there was my agent didn't take care of having a guardian or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I was all by yourself. Your yeah. parents never visited. No, no, no one from your family. No, 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 nobody. And I remember having that picture taken of the five of us. Yes. On the roof of the Carlton Hotel. Mm, yes, I see. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, yeah. For press at the beginning, just yes. before we started shooting and the it, film. It was at the Cannes Film Festival. It was sort of this kind of people kept saying, "Oh, write a passage," which I, did, I had no idea what that meant. You mm. know that this mm. was. A, and I remember going to the beach afterwards, and I was walking along the beach, and this man was running after me. He said, "Excuse me, excuse me. Are you an Otto Preminger?" And he mm. said, "Preminger, mm -hmm. uh, it's film." And I said, "Yes." And he said. Would you be interested in posing for Playboy? <gasps> and I said, excuse what? me? I was a compl oh, completely, he said, so we need young, mm. beautiful women. And I said, I, 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 no, no, I'm not, no. And I didn't know, I didn't want to be rude because I was this nice Canadian girl. But um, I also thought, wow, so this is, this, in my mind, I thought, so this is what happens immediately when you step mm -hmm. into this, this world, but the filming of it was horrendous. Oh, the filming was. But you were always so calm. Yeah, I, I yeah, you that's were true. always. Yeah. So, I looked to you with such really admiration and thinking, if Isabel can get through this, <laughs> <laughs> because you never knew who was going to be his patsy in any given day, or he who he was going to try and fire. Yeah. yeah, because everybody every day would say, if you are not happy, you go back to Paris. You remember to you? that? No, no, not, not to me. To but anybody. To yeah, anybody. Yeah, yeah, if you are yeah. not happy, you go back yeah, to Paris. Yeah. No, he would he would say that to every every day to someone in particular. Mm -hmm. If you are not happy, you go back to Paris. So everybody was kind of you know freezing. And I remember one day there was Georges Belair. I don't know if you remember. He's, he's a French actor, very good <gasps> French actor. Is he, he the one who got fired? That I can't remember, but he is in the film for sure because one day we were on the boat. I remember and and. <laughs> Preminger started to yell at him, if you are not happy, you go back to Paris. And George Beller took his bag and said, okay, I'm going back to Paris. And then Preminger said, no, please stay. So that's the way you had, you had to be with him. You, you yeah. had to resist him just a little bit, you know. Yeah. But we all got along very well, Really actually. well, yeah. I, I, we were a nice group of people. Yeah, I felt so too. There was a camaraderie. Yes, between yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. And we all came from very different backgrounds mm -hmm. also. So we had in a way a lot to mm -hmm. share mm -hmm. but be also because we we all came from such different backgrounds so we we were we were i don't know there was no competition or whatsoever no. between us we were all interested I by also, one another i also felt that the circumstances were so extreme with his temper and his anger yeah so it, that it, it bonded it, yeah us it bonded us in a way yeah, yeah. Because whenever I think about a situation on a set mm -hmm. where I'm with, it feels like you're under a dictatorship. Mm -mm -mm. There's there's no collaborative experience mm -mm. of it. You sort of feel like you you're in a camp of sorts, mm -hmm. and you kind of have to bend your head down and just go from one day to the next and 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 get through it. When I when I came back to the states after doing the film, and I started to see French films. First of all, I saw Day for Night, and half of the crew on Rosebud was actually in the movie of Day for Night. And I went, wait a minute, mm, 
Mm. I know him. I know that sound mm. man. I, mm. I know that cinematographer. I know that AD. Oh, that's funny. It was really funny. I, oh, really? I, I sort of got connected. Yeah, maybe because it was also the set designer, Willie Holt. Yes. Maybe yes. he was also in, in Death or Night. Yes. He, he told an amazing story to me because one day I was particularly feeling very nervous about Preminger. Preminger, Preminger. Yeah. Um, and he said to me, Who? Uh, uh, Willie. W- Willie? Yeah. Ah, you remember him? Yes, ah. I do. I remember his ah. face. Yeah. He was really, had a very strong, yes. strong face. He was very handsome. Yeah. And he said to me, he said, you know, if it, he tried to do that with me, he said, don't let him do it with you. He said, when he did it with me, he said, listen, I've been through everything. And he showed Preminger the numbers from mm. the concentration no. camp because he was Jewish and he was in the concentration ah, camp. I didn't know that. And apparently Preminger shut up Wait. shortly yeah. after seeing after that. The, after yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I remember that he was he was treating Willie at the beginning badly. He was he, he, well, like he was to for everybody. Uh, that's fascinating. Mm. I didn't know that about uh, Willie. Yeah. Have you, se- have you ever seen the film, by the way? I saw, I went to the opening in New York of it. And people were leaving in droves. And Preminger was there, and he was really upset. And he said, why are you leaving? Why are you going? He was in the lobby. He wasn't in the... Oh, my God. He went to the opening in New York. Yeah, he did. I didn't even go, did not even go to the opening in Paris. (laughs) Well, I was, uh, yeah, yeah. I think I saw it in Los Angeles, because I was a contract player by Universal Studios. I got, Preminger put, I don't know if he did this with you, but he put me under a seven-year contract to do the film. And when you did Bo- Rosebud, yeah, I you was were in a, a seven-year contract with Preminger. He signed me to a seven-year contract. And so, w- what did it imply eventually? It implied that he would only have to pay me a certain amount for so many films over a period of time, and that the contract was binding. And if I had another job, I would have to come to him and say, "Do you need me?" So that's what happened, obviously, because did you did the did you do the films with him? No, no, I only did Rosebud with him. Only, yeah. But I was offered a universal contract as a universal contract player. It was the last of the contract players. This was like in 77. And we did Rosebud in 74, 74, 75. Yeah, I was trying to find 74. 74. Yeah, okay. yeah. And uh, he, the Universal Studios had to come to Preminger and buy the contract ah, out. Ah. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't a lot of money. Yeah, yeah wasn't but still, it has to be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The thing that was amazing when I saw you on film is that you have this amazing transparency. It's my pharmacy delivery. (laughs) (laughs) What what was it that you wanted, that that Michael wanted us to... Evoke? Something a bit more contemporary, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be here, we're still alive. Okay. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good so idea. So how many okay. years later, what is what is life like? You know, the most amazing thing is that I think well, out of out of that beginning of those six girls, mm. I think you and I yeah. have survived yeah. <laughs> in our survived own ways. And, and, and prospered. Brilliantly. Yes, yes. But maybe, so you, you, to, you just to, to, again, a bit uh, rose, but you, you said that Lala, she's not an actress anymore? No, no. Lala is married to Richard Dawkins. The Darwinian scholar, and the, the Darwinian scholar. He's um, he he is he's a don at um, a don. What does it mean? It it means a a, a very high level professor, head mm-hmm. of a department, um, in uh, Oxford. Ah, okay. And okay. he writes books about Darwinism. D'accord. 
and, and he's a teacher and he's a teacher and he's and he lectures and he writes books and she she illustrates the books oh yeah that's nice yeah she's she's yeah. I, you know it's so funny both of you um and i always tell her if i've seen you or she always mm, asks mm, me or oh, i ask her oh. um but it it feels again like that experience of of family in a way yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah always because at the, at the time she she was um you know having a relationship with the writer ted yeah yeah, with ted who was um writing the book about the how to make a multi-million dollar disaster was the okay name of okay the that's the, name uh, of the, the book. book okay yeah, yeah okay and uh and debbie burger i don't know what happened she's married she's married she and has kids yes with ted Ruspoli. i think with Ruspoli. Man, and whoever Brigitte, I Brigitte, don't know. I don't know. I, no, don't know. I don't know if she. Yeah. If she, she, she suddenly did a, a few f- more films afterwards, mm-hmm. but she was really. Then I don't know. We should try to find out. But what do you think? Why? Why did? Why did? Why were we? Why did we survive? Um, that's Is a very good tenacious? question. Tenacious? No, I think I think we we, you know, I think we really wanted to. And, ah, uh, yeah. And. Um, even though it's it's interesting because yes we were so young when we were doing this movie together and and yet i think that our determination was very strong and sometimes when you look back it's quite amazing to you know to because i didn't view myself as a very um strong person at the time i was you know shy timid i mean even even i i can't believe that I, it's not that I accomplished such a big way, but let's say I accomplished, even to my eyes, a, a little path, you know, and when I look back, I can't believe that I did that in a way, you know. Mm. So it means that if you have a little bit of will, a little bit of confidence, which I don't, I'm not even sure I had that, you know, but just, I don't know, you want. I remember, you just want to do it. I remember someone interviewing me and saying, basically, why you? It, you know, there are, l- and I said, well, I, I, I don't really know. Um, why me? Why not me? Um, there's a lot of pretty girls. There's a lot of talented women. There's a lot of um, opportunities that I had or didn't have. But I think for me... Uh, it was just, to me, I felt happy, I felt content, I felt purposeful. I felt like I was also engaging in a situation, with theater especially, less in film. And that's why I look back on Rosebud and our friendship even today as some kind of link to something that continues mm-hmm. in the sense of wanting that kind of experience. Not no matter what the film is like, but the experience of doing it and the people that you get to know. Mm-hmm. Because I feel that once you go through that experience, whether it's successful or not, you have created a, a bond. I guess that's mm. part of what it is. And belonging in, with other people in exactly. that situation. Mm, mm, mm. So that to me feels like family to me. That mm. feels like I belong, the people that I'm with. I don't feel strange with. Sometimes people outside of the business, like the family mm-hmm. situations mm-hmm. that we were talking about, mm-hmm. that doesn't feel so much like kin anymore. It feels slightly foreign because 
They don't understand yeah, yeah, sure. the hours that we work, yeah, yeah. why we, we would put yeah. ourselves in any kind of vulnerable yeah, yeah. position like that or expose. Or the expose or yeah. the obsession with your oneself also. I mean, yes. there is, you know, yes. because that's, and, and it which has to be. Mm-hmm. It's part of the job. Mm-hmm. It comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. It's nothing to be. And only, you know, a mirrored relationship can, in a way, mm-hmm. understand that. Don't you think so? You know, this, yeah. you know, you because you work on, uh, on, it's your own material, so mm-hmm. it's it beyond narcissism or self-obsession. It's just a material on which it, it happens to be you, it happens to be your face, it happens to be your person, but that's your material. Mm-hmm. And so your in- instrument. Your, your instrument, yeah. it's, uh, that's what yeah. I meant, yeah. your instrument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So and how you play it and how exactly. you... Exactly, and how you take care of it. Too. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and how you... The challenge is, I think, something that both of us have in common that we have in our own way continue to be have fear but to go ahead yes exactly <laughs> no no i think so too yeah yeah because that's what it is about in a way i think that you never really get rid of fear but on a, in a way you put them on the side and no matter what you know or you carry your and, fear yeah <laughs> yeah and and fear sometimes can be your friend also Says yeah, because it's part also of something human and fragile, and uh, and you can expect, you can hope that at some point, life is not only about victory yes. and strength mm. and enthusiasm, but but can also be about depression, mm. fear, weakness, frailty, yeah. frailty yeah. and that's what you project mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on screen, you know. I remember when I saw you in this episode of Sex and the City and you were playing the ill person, you know, and I felt, you know, the the character was so engaging and so moving also because it's what you did out of it, you know, Mm -hmm. it was so funny and so, but also, you know, you had the other side of it, you know, the the, the illness and the, how did, how did, was it to do, to do this? The series, it was really interesting. Um, I, you know, I i really felt that I was too old to play it at 41. Because I, you know, I think some of the choices I look back on that I made um, were about survival. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I didn't have a, a situation where I could ever ask my parents for help because it was just too difficult for them. And I didn't ever want to um, be go back to waitressing or doing menial jobs in the sense of not continuing to work as an actor. So I took some jobs because I thought I need to be on a set and I need to be working and I need to I need to support myself. I sometimes when I, I did this very strange John Carpenter film called Big Trouble in Little China, which was really a Fun film. And but Doug Carpenter is a really good director. He's a very, way. very good director. Um, and, and the film was a fan- fantasy. Um, it, was, it was way before its time, and it was a huge flop. A really oh interesting right. cast. Wh- what year was this? This was 86. Oh right. Yeah. And, and um, who was in the film? Kurt Russell was oh my right. leading man. Yeah. Lovely, lovely guy. We got on mm-hmm. great, and it was fun, and it didn't go anywhere. But while I was doing the first month and a half of the filming, because it was like three months, 
I was doing a play in downtown Los Angeles. I was doing Three Sisters. And Which one did you? I Here played Masha. Masha? Yes. I loved it. Yeah. Fantastic. Is, Masha is the sister-in-law? or the No, Masha is the sister. There's Olga, Masha. Masha, the middle one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I like Irina, yeah. oh, I do yeah. too. She's passionate yeah. and wonderful Who directed it? Um, a guy called Stein Winger, who mm-hmm. ran um, the National Theater of Norway. Ah. It was really interesting man, very, oh, right. very, and David Mamet had done the translation. Ah, yes. The, ah. It was really, really exciting. Um, but this was always the pack that I made for myself because I, I never thought that the movies were going to, they were, they were sort of paying for my theater addiction. So you were a, th- a stage actress from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that yeah. until you told, I mean, uh, until, uh, yes, I, I, I was aware of you as a stage actress in London, but I never realized, because people, of course, internationally and in France would know more for your films and mm-hmm. for Sex and the City. Of course, yeah. But, um, and we are, you know, the st- stage is very local most of the time, you know, it mm-hmm. doesn't really travel. Yeah. And um, Well, the unfortunate thing sometimes about theater in America is that they think if you're not on Broadway, you can, you're not working. You know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but <laughs> or in, in Chicago, yeah. or, or in you know, Chicago, there's amazing theater going all all over the yeah. United States. Really, really beautiful work. So, I, I uh, for me, film was um, more of a monetary necessity. Right. But then, as, as Sex in the City, I, I did some television stuff, and some of it I, I found really enjoyable. But I couldn't find really great directors in television at that point. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, now they've got better directors, of course. They have yeah. cable television, I know. which has replaced sadly yeah. a lot of independent yeah. film. I just heard, for example, that um, oh, I forgot what's his name. A really good director now is going to direct a Syrian HBO. I mean, uh, as uh, just as a, uh, as an example of mm-hmm. how you know. Television has become... Oh, really Alan Ball was Six Feet Under, yeah. you know, doing, uh, you know, American Beauty. And it, it sort of became this... Uh, but at the time that I was HBO, it was very mm-hmm. exciting. Mm-hmm. But I really had reservations about doing it because I was 41 and I felt that I couldn't be this sexy, yes, voracious... I, I really did feel yeah, that yeah. I did. I, did. Yeah. I was really scared. And I thought, I've done this part in many ways when I was younger and I don't really feel that and I was kind of happy to at 41 to have had a success Mm -hmm. and to spend the rest of my life being what they call a a journeyman actress means you work and people respect Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. you 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 don't really become Mm. internationally successful Mm. and then this show came and I thought I have to get over myself I have to really why not? Why, yeah. why, why, why is that such a problem? But even doing it, you know, there's part of me that's a very, uh, feels like a very good girl, Mm-mm-mm. you know, mm. um, and uh, playing the slutty character, <laughs> or, you know, and, oh, I, I don't have a problem so much with um, sexuality or nudity, but I was nervous to do those scenarios. And I was married at the time, and you know, I, I I sort of thought, you know, how does my husband feel about watching this, and was how do it, I yeah. feel about, you know, using comedy to break down these taboos, but at the same time feeling a little bit nervous about being typecast 
or um, being just thought of as a certain way, especially as I get older, and then being pitted as like the older woman with the younger man, and these kind of stereotypes. Um, so I was, I, I was very excited with the thought of when it ended of what could be possible to play different things. And that's why going back to the theater with Ernest, with, um, of the tremendous appetite to play different different kinds of things. And is this also what uh, drove you into because you you you, you write a book yeah. about several books? Yeah, 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 yeah. About so th these were mostly essays about you know remember when we had dinner together mm -hmm. in Paris after the, that show that we were talking about 448. You talked to me about that was a book about sexuality mm -hmm. or what, how was it called? It was I wrote one book about the history of sexual desire called Sexual Intelligence, which was a companion book to uh, a documentary that I produced um, called Sexual Intelligence for HBO. And it was very interesting. We took s six people, uh, seven people, sorry, four heterosexual, one gay man, one gay woman, and one bisexual woman. And we asked them all the same questions about sex and sexuality. And their answers were so completely different. And then we went into the history of sexual desire. It was really an interesting format. I wanted in some ways with the first book, Satisfaction, which was called Satisfaction, the Art of the Female Orgasm, which I was very interested in, <laughs> as I think most women are. Mm. But it was more about something that had changed in my sexuality. And I had a very naive point of view that if I wrote this book, it would, it would separate me from this character who was so sexually emancipated. So that, that's what drove you into writing, in a way. Yes, yes, Swansea. yes. I mean, that's interesting. You never, you but never it was thought the opposite effect. I know, know, but you never thought of but writing, and even more so, but writing these kind of matters before. No, I never did. Ah, that's interesting. I didn't really feel that I had a platform to write about it. And mm -hmm. I feel that the show gave me somewhat of a platform. Mm -hmm. And it mm -hmm. was something that happened during the course of the show that changed for me. Mm -hmm. So I thought that would be, because I, I thought that there would be an interesting um, conversation to begin. And it mm -hmm. did become a very large part of um, the documentary, the desire to do the documentary mm -hmm. after that. Mm -hmm. But I was also interested in producing, because I, I don't know about you, um, after the series I was in my late 40s. Um, and there was not a lot of great scripts mm -hmm. or great roles. And I was sort of being put in the position of playing somebody's mother mm -hmm. in a very peripheral yeah, uh, me way. Too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, they keep asking you about playing mothers, mothers, mothers. Yes. And so I, s I would do some of it, but then you don't want to end up if just playing mothers, you know. No, no. But uh, if, is it a mother that has uh, an arc? That has well, an if it interesting, is interesting, yeah. no, that, no, of that course. Kind of I mean, I, mean I did this. I did to. this movie uh, called My Little Princess in France, directed by this uh, woman director called Eva Ionesco, and she's the daughter of a famous uh, Ionesco. Uh, Ionesco, she's yeah. the daughter of Irina Ionesco, who is a who, uh, the rhinoceros. No, 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 it's same Romanian name, mm. but lots of Ionesco mm. in, in Romania. So this, her mother is a f quite famous photographer. And she's a kind, let's say to be quick, of a um, French saliman in the sense that she would photograph uh, her own daughter in very suggestive uh, situations as a very little girl, naked. She did extraordinary portraits. 
And so there was a big fight between eventually the mother and the daughter because the daughter wanted to uh, get back the rights upon her own photos mm. uh, and physicality and 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 then she did a movie out of it so as an example i'm taking i'm talking about this as an example of a mother with a very big arc you know <laughs> yes. because she's a photographer she's a crazy mother she's she's a non-mother in a way so in this case you want to play mother you know but in some other cases you don't want to end up just doing mothers. Yeah. yes that's true so do you think that's why theater is so important for us at this I don't point think so because I never took theater as a substitute to mm-hmm. um, to uh, you know uh, whatever wouldn't happen no because I was I mean I touch wood but so far I never resented this you know kind of you know lack of roles for um, women not such young women or things like this you know they keep saying that it could be different in France than in America um, uh, Do you think it is? Yes and no. I mean, I was reading this article the other day about Francis McDormand, you know, who just produced this miniseries for HBO. And uh, so everyone, ex- a while you would come up with um, that the, as we say in French, uh, uh, the, exe- the exception that confirms the rule, that mm-hmm. you say the same thing, in, you know. But exception by section makes, in the, uh, the end of the day, a, a whole, a whole <laughs> big amount of people, you know. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, even in America, I don't, I don't, and you know, let me put it this way. I think that just to, to, um, wh- whenever I'm being asked this kind of question, you know, I think it's so misogynistic. It's just the question itself, mm-hmm. just to make a statement out of it, is a kind of misogyny, misogynistic, misogynistic. Mm-hmm. Misogynistic posture, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. in a way, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. It's, uh, I think it's very ambiguous, especially when women journalists would come up with such questions. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost like they want, they, they they are not so sure about themselves, so they project on you their own, um, their own um, anxieties or their own questioning, and um, I, I keep you know. This kind of question wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't be asked to a man, for example. So exactly. why 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 do you have to you know um, to 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 solve that problem as a woman, you know, mm-hmm. constantly? Mm-hmm. It's something which is not necessarily a problem. I mean, it's also difficult to get to, to find good roles when you are in your twenties. Yes. you know. I, I think I, personally, the role that I found when I was forty years old were a lot better. I mean, not a lot better, but not as minimal, not uh, not few. You know? Well, sometimes playing the girl is is the worst part to have um, because, uh, you, because you don't, you don't have any growth. You no. don't have any change. You just have to, you know, And most of the roles that, and that's even more true now, but it was already true. I was lucky enough to, um, my first big roles were more um, about, um, like the lace maker, for example. So they were more about uh, inner life than about, seduction or mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. but I was lucky because most of the time what do you require for a 20 years or 25 years old actress you just require from her to be to be in the appearance not to be in the in the in the essence you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and and it's something of course which is much easier when you are later in your life you know but when you are very young it's not so easy to get these kind of roles so let's say the 
or a director is, yeah. a, is always a problem whatsoever yeah. no matter the age you know so the age problematic is more about it's 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 very uh, you know to you to turn it into a, a problem is misogynistic well, i i agree i th i think that it's it, it it's cut in half again you know it's like it's like each decade has its own challenge for you but as you say it is just part of life too that's exactly. the way it is it's ever changing it's not going to just stop mm -mm -mm. um i found that producing is a very interesting way to express something of what i want to say about women mm -hmm. our age mm -hmm. and to do a series about a woman who so which which was it which one was it i did i did an adaptation of a series called sensitive skin it was a voilà, british okay. series and that you produced it yeah yeah and and, and you were in it and i was in it And what was interesting was... And it's, who else was in it? Um, Elliot Gould is in it. He okay. plays the uh, doctor. Not my doctor, but my character, my husband's doctor. And uh, we, we surrounded this character, as in the original, with really eccentric characters. It's her story, but it's their story, which I found so much more interesting to tell instead of just being it about this woman's mm -hmm. midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. Um, by exposing it to circumstances that I felt were more tangible instead of just telling that story and making her sane or insane or frustrated or um, compromised um, or marginalized. Uh, and it was a really interesting, um, exhausting exercise to produce and also be in it, to star in it. Did you write it? I didn't write it, no, but no. I had a lot of... I asked for rehearsals, which was... I've only ever done that once before in a film, um, to rehearse and then to, to to rehearse the whole script like a play. Oh, okay, you rehearsed the... But uh, it was a series? Yeah, a series. So how many episodes? Six episodes. And you, it, it, you've done it already? I did it yeah. already, yeah. It's been out? It, it, it was on HBO Canada and did really, really well. And it's it's going to be out now? Yeah, it's going to be out. I'll send it to you. On HBO? No, no, not at HBO. Doesn't really acquire things; they make their own okay. stuff. So, where is it going to be out? We're not sure. We're we're right ah. now going negotiating okay. with a couple of networks that that want. So it. it's going to be out in France too, maybe. Yes, yes, we have an offer on the table in France already, ah, which okay, will be great. good. But what I really enjoyed about it was taking what I love about theater, and incorporating it to television. I've done it a little bit in film but I've never done it in television. And I think we could only do that because we had all the scripts at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So we were almost, it felt like doing a film or a mm -hmm. play as mm -hmm. opposed to one episode after oh, yeah. another. Which How is, many weeks was the shoot? Uh, it was seven weeks. And seven it, was weeks. Si it, it took us about a week to shoot each episode. And, and who directed it? Uh, a man called Don McKellar, who's uh -huh. a filmmaker, who also okay. played my husband in it. We uh, all had many, ah. many, many roles to play. And the man who adapted it also was in it and also executive produced it. So we felt like the... It felt again like that that situation when I build that or make it part, or if I'm lucky enough for it to be part of the situation, is to feel that family unit of support mm, mm, mm. and um, to really be honest and upfront, not have to put on any kind of airs as a producer or as a leading lady or any of those things to say, this isn't working, I need help, can mm, you help me, mm, you know, mm, mm, which mm. you do in a rehearsal process. Mm, mm. So I, I really, really, but, but tell me about... What, Was it the first time you, you produced something? Other than the documentary. Yeah. Uh, okay, but yeah. first, uh, first feature. First, first, oh, first, yeah, first time. 
And, and have you ever produced? No. Or? No, no, no. No, I just, no, no. I think it's more American to produce than French. I don't Is it? I think so. Yeah. I think so. It's not very much, you know, I don't know. There's not a crossover. No, I mean, I have a company and I would sometimes buy uh, rights for, but to really produce, it never happened to me. I, it doesn't happen to, I can't think of any, you know, famous French actresses who, do, who would actually produce in the way you say it, you know, mm -hmm. really uh, from top to... Casting to no. fundraising. No. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like being a parent. Yeah. And this is your child. Do a lot of American actresses do that? Some of them do. Um, it, I still... I, I remember hearing the first, first person that I ever heard did that was Jane Fonda when she, when she did... Um, uh, coming home and um, on Golden yeah. Pond, and I was so <gasps> excited by the fact that you could have some kind of say in not just what you wanted to do, but who you could bring yeah, together no, and it's play in, with. Of course, it's, a, it's an it's an artistic uh, involvement. Yeah, as a producer, you mm -hmm. still have artistic control upon what you do. Yes. Okay. Yes, as an executive producer. As an executive producer. in television. What I have found is that a lot of the writers ask to become a producer and then an executive producer because they have more control, of artistic course. control. And Do you I, have the final cut, for example? Do you, can you control the final cut? Yes. Okay. Uh, with Don McKellar as the director and Bob Martin as the writer and myself as the star and executive producer, the three of us, whether it was casting or whether it was uh, a take, one take was better than another, and some of it was drag down fights, you know, always leaving. So you would you would also go over the, the cutting, the editing? You yeah. would be in the editing room? I wasn't in, uh, what I would wait is for them to get a specific think, idea sure. of where things were. Then you were. could intervene and say, listen, I remember that this take was better. Yes, than yes. I'm going to be a producer <laughs> right away. <laughs> My God! Oh, I said the two you know, words I'm, that changed your mind. You know, Final I, I'm, I'm like Monsieur Jordan, who wanted to do, you know, without knowing I'm a producer. I, I, I didn't know. I want to be a producer and say, so listen, this take it was better. You have to use that take. What about directing? I think you'd um, be a terrific director. Well, I was, I was, um, yeah, a couple of times. You know, you know who often me wants to direct something. God knows why. Dustin Hoffman was directing this, or was, I don't know, he was involved in, in, in some kind of series, and he was asked to gather some people from different, uh, you know, from different places. And so I remember <laughs> he asked me if I would be interested. In, that was a long time ago already. Um, but then eventually nothing happened. So I was asked a, a number of times to whether to... I don't know, it's this kind of thing. Maybe I should one day, you know, say to myself, okay, if if this one does it, why not me, you know, and then I would be able to do it. So I don't know, out of a really almost complete fulfilling as being an actress and out of fear of doing it, you know, as a result, I never directed, you know. It would be, you know, shared reasons why I never ended up under the directing, mm -hmm. being really fulfilled as an actress and also thinking that I wouldn't be able to do it. Mm -hmm. So 
I hope I'll always be fulfilled as an actress, so I would have to work on the other reason why I never made it happen. And, and maybe, were you ever interested in doing it? Hmm. Yes, I, I feel that what is the, the really great thing about getting older that I'm really enjoying is um, really not caring as much what people think. I care, mm, but mm, not as mm, much. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and yes, really because in, it has to do with this, you know, what yeah. people are going to think. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But wondering, I mean, when I see a film, I'm engaged when uh, I feel something is true or is authentic. Um, and I don't find a lot of that in American movies so much anymore. It's fantastical, you know, it's a... You mean the truth, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, in not in, it's... Mm. And we're so, we're more sophisticated than we've ever been, and uh, it's, it's hard for me to, I know so much about how a movie will end now, and it isn't because I've, you know, read the book, it's just that I've heard the story many, many times. <laughs> I mean, that's what I, I love about performance art because I'm, it's so personal and so unique and, and I'm going on a journey that is very personal and detailed. And, and I, so I, I can tell when I'm watching the monitor and I was on the set every day on, on this uh, sensitive skin. skin is that I could tell when an actor was fudging it and when they were present. And mm -hmm. It's so clear to me now. I think when I was younger, I, I wasn't aware of it. But I think on the search for authenticity, period, it brings you to a point where you just, uh, I, I, it's so, it's black and white. It's, it's present or it's not. And I think that's a good thing that you need in our, in film especially, because um, in, in theater too. Mm, but, yeah, sure, absolutely. But but I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It seems, it's funny because it seems a bit obvious, you know. Yeah. But in the end, it's not obvious. I know. I mean, this thing that you are describing, talking about this quality of of, of truthness of something, you think it happens all the time. In fact, it happens very rarely, you know. And this is what. And you can smell it. You yeah. can taste it. You know, even. You see something by a filmmaker, and you think, "I've had such respect for this, but this is this is really feels very happy." And you have like anything? In, in, do you have any idea of what you would like? I mean, if you were going to do it, would you like to um, to write your own stories, or would you like to adapt something? It's interesting, but I think that you can be as exposed as a, of a story of your own, but yet with a sort of veil you know or screen behind mm -hmm. which you can sort of hide you know because it's not your own story so your input your personal input would be more hidden in a way because the story is not yours but still it would be your film but so it's more difficult to say exactly uh, where is your own persona through the film and then the second question would be would i would i act in the film or wouldn't i act in the film that's a different why, why wouldn't you Focus for focus reasons? No, no, but for instance, if you were to direct a movie yourself, would you film yourself or would you direct other people? Would you would you put yourself in the film or would you? I think I would, if I, if I 
would need to as far as funding is concerned I would I would do it um, because people ask me to get involved with something and if it's more than one capacity they say yeah but we would we would really like you to also play a role because you mm-hmm. you have a fan base or you have a some kind of um, uh, quality that you can bring that people will bring mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. some some people to to the theater or to tune in on television so I, I guess I would I don't think I would like to have uh, the lead because I think this would be mm-hmm. really really difficult on sensitive skin my leading man was directing and executive producing he's done it many 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 times and he does it effortlessly but occasionally things were left out and he right. went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah because yeah, he was yeah. doing everything together. Yeah. Of course. But he had a DP that would work with him so much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that he knew that that was taken care of. They had, a, they had a shorthand of communication because they'd done so much work together that he didn't have to worry about that aspect. Um, so that, that was interesting to watch that. I'd never, never been involved with that before. It's someone that could be in a scene with me, watching oh, me. That must be something very weird. Never happened to me. Yeah. <gasps> a couple of times yeah. I thought, he's not listening to me. He's yeah, because watching he's, me. he's watching you. <laughs> Which can be also a good thing, just merely as an actor. Exactly. But still, yeah. it's very, oof. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what, so what makes you say yes to a film? This wine, by the way, is really good. Uh, I'm just, I just want, want to more? check if we don't... Oh, uh, we have to go to the theater, too. Yeah. What time is it, uh, Ilya? 7.37. <gasps> we have to go. Oh, my God! This is Nick Dawson, the editor-in-chief of TalkHouse Film, and you've been listening to Isabel Huppert and Kim Cattrall in conversation on the TalkHouse Film podcast. The episode was engineered and edited by Elia Einhorn. For more filmmakers talking film and TV, visit thetalkhouse.com slash film. Subscribe to TalkHouse Film and TalkHouse Music Podcast on iTunes, where you can find all our previous episodes. And while you're there, please rate and review if you can. What do you want us to say? Just who you are and that you're listening to TalkHouse Film. Hi. 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 Hi, I'm Isabel. I'm Isabel And Kim We are talking to TalkHouse Film. And now we have to leave you because we are we have to rush to the theater. See to the theater. Glenn close in a delicate balance. <laughs>